Greetings and welcome everybody from on location, sounds so official or even news-like, um, with the silent retreat for the fall of 2023. And uh, I'm Dr. Ray Mitch, your host, as the usual pleasantries that I always start out the podcast with. We're the one place where you can find the intersection of of psychology and faith and spiritual formation and that's what we're here for and what i decided to do this weekend is give you an opportunity just to look behind what goes on in a silent retreat we're not trying to hide anything there's no secret handshake to be a part of it or anything like that um and we, i i want people that are in my audience to understand what this looks like and why it is so actually so important so um, now, let me give you a little bit of a perspective about where we're sitting, where, where I'm sitting. You come with me. Um, but where I'm sitting is in what I oftentimes refer to as the far gazebo. It's out on a plateau. And if you look at some of the pictures, you'll see. Um, and I actually took a picture of where I took the, where I shot the first um, podcast video. And so um, we're sitting at the place that I first visited when I came here a long 20 years ago. And I came out here with the book uh, Life of the Beloved by uh, Henry Nowen. And I spent the entire morning here. So much so, I forget when, when it was that I actually did that, but so much so that I ended up with a pretty nasty tan. Um, forget about tan sunburn in um in reading that book and it was a profound um how do i say that a clarion call that i had never heard before from even an evangelical perspective about the 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 life of if if i were and i'm defining life here if i were considered the, the beloved of Christ, the beloved of God, then what difference does it make other than just a, um, an ascent of truth, but not truly a posture of living? And that's really what this place represents to me. I was out here for the whole morning. I was dutiful enough to get up and do breakfast and then come out here and uh, breakfast here is at eight o'clock. Um, I've I've done this uh, so many times that breakfast is a optional feature, at least in my book, because usually by the time I get to here, um, in this part of the semester, I am so exhausted that um, yeah, breakfast is not really all that important to me at this point in time. So anyway, that's. Uh, I trudged my way out here to give you an opportunity to look at and see another place, another location, if you will, of uh, what um, what is available to us when we visit this place. It, as I said yesterday, it sits about on almost 100, 200 acres. And as I came out here, I, I, uh, I don't have the audience. The audience left, actually, and that was a herd of deers that are out here grazing uh, before the evening begins. So, um, and, and it's a very picturesque, very fun place to sit, um, to think about, um, you know, the, the nature of why I'm doing what I'm doing and what is um, my commitment to understanding um, my relationship with Christ and, 
and all of those things. So that's what today, to this location means to me. I often, I sometimes will come out here, sometimes I won't. Oftentimes I, I go to the gazebo that we record, that I recorded the last podcast in. But I, what I wanted to do is give you a little bit of a snapshot of what happened last night. Now I gave you kind of a, um, initial observations of the beginning of the um, silent retreat. We all got together. We talked about expectations and all the other things. And uh, one of the things that caught my attention, even as I um, compared notes with my other spiritual director, is we, the thing that I, well, let me put it this way. The thing that I say to my students all the time is we don't know we have expectations until they go unmet. And so, uh, you know, there was a couple different people that said, well, nothing is happening. And they, their perspective on that is something should happen. That's the assumption. When in fact, nothing is happening is probably a good thing. It gives us a space to breathe. It gives us a space to, to um, uh, be able to focus. But something happens on the second day that I think is nothing short of miraculous in the sense that it seems like, I mean, we begin to confront our fears that a lot of people bring when they come to a silent retreat, because when silence is the norm rather than the ab, rather than outside of the norm, when it's the norm, suddenly things start to slow down. We start to listen to the cacophony of of things that are going on in our hearts and our minds and and. It, it, things bubbled to the surface, and, that, and that's what I have seen in the conversations I've had, certainly today. And what we heard last night is that, you know, it, it, there, there are a variety of perspectives, I think, that come up when people first enter into silence. And either it is, you know, kind of leaning whole hog into it and having a sense of, of, kind of being overwhelmed and I knew it was there and all that sort of stuff. The thing that they don't account for is that even if they lean into stuff that's really uncomfortable, stuff that really is important, actually, it's the landscape of our heart, they don't have to go through it alone. And that's the one unique feature that we have about a retreat like this is that we can share our um our observations and our stories. And oftentimes we share our story only for the benefit of someone else rather than to own the story that we are in. And that's, that's very much a part of some of the conversations certainly we had last night. People shared a variety of things um, of you know how God visited them. We had one person that actually said, I, I, I kind of uh, saw she she said well I don't think I was tripping and I think we can kind of you know rule that out given the location we're at but it wasn't like she was camping outside of a, a marijuana store here in in uh, in Colorado at least um, so it wasn't that she was tripping but she was she had adopted a stance and what's important about that is that she had adopted a stance of looking for God it's not a matter that of of God being absent, he is. The only thing is, is that we just have to open our eyes to see. And that's exactly what she did. And, and she saw in, um, 
um, I forget how it was. It was some element of the trees and the leaves and everything else. And she, she swore what she saw was I am. And it was a reminder of God's presence at that moment in time. Now, you can debate that in terms of saying, well, you know, it was just what she was looking for. She's influenced by, by the context and the professors that are talking about that kind of stuff. But at the same time, I think in some respects, it's probably the shadow of the eternal showing up in our world. And if we just keep our eyes open, we might actually see elements of it that appear. So that's one example of some of the conversation we had last night. We had people um, actually uh, uh, probably admit for the very first time that they probably isolate and um, stay away from people because they're busy telling a story of how those people will react to them. And so they don't want to deal with that and they just pull themselves away from people. So there's a variety of strategies that start showing up um, in some of these conversations. Not bad. I think it's it's important to be honest about the landscape of our heart and what's going on there. And that doesn't mean that being honest about it is comfortable. Far, far, far from that. The reality is, is that being honest about the landscape of our heart is the very thing we're trying to avoid. And silence has a tendency to ask us a question, and that is, what will you do with this? Either you will deny it and move away from it and distract yourself, or you will look fully into it and to see what is actually there. And the thing that I think we miss is that we have a, a, a God who loves us so much that what we actually see when we look fully into it is the level of grace and acceptance and mercy and love that is waiting for us, not the problems that we face, not at all. If they're there, I'm not saying that they're not, but at the same time, this is a place where grace becomes the power to be that way. And I, I quite honestly, between you and me, and in, in the end, we used to say, you, me, and the hedge post fence, which is usually what a lot of fences were made of, is we hate it more than God accepts it. <laughs> because he knows our frame. He knows our brokenness. He knows all of these things. And if only we were as merciful and gracious as God is, that does not mean it takes us off the hook. It does not mean that we, uh, um, you know, get a pass. It doesn't mean any of that. But if anything, one of the features of grace that we kind of forget about is it gives me the power to move into these places and change. Because grace creates a space for growth. And shame and legalism and demandingness and perfectionism, there is no space for growth. Either you succeed, and that's never enough, or you fail, and then you are a failure. I had a long conversation with somebody today about the fact that it's an already decided fate of hers to be disappointing. And so all of her efforts and relationships and everything else is to avoid being disappointing. So she reads people's minds and she, she makes sure they get certain um, 
uh, things from her, information and other things from her that will only support being okay and acceptable. So, um, so there's that. And that's, that's kind of a theme that comes up, I think, when people that have engaged the silent retreat and silence itself it, it, the, for the very first time. And so slowly but surely, what I see in these retreats is the first night is I'm afraid, I'm not sure, and I'll either I'll try to overstructure it to make it comfortable for me, or I'll understructure it and, and be racked by, you know, what, what might happen um, instead of really living into what is happening. And so, um, and then the second night, which is coming up, it's not that far away. Um, and that's what I'll reflect on tomorrow is this remarkable aspect of the changes that tend to, tend to occur. Because silence makes it almost um, unavoidable to face not life, not other people, but to face me. And just how virulently ruthless I am with myself and I wonder why it's so hard to change. It never occurs to us that we can change in the context of grace. It never occurs to us about that. And yet, when you think about it, children grow up in the best environments. They grow up in the context of grace. Adults allow them to be children. They allow them to grow. And that's the context for growth. But we forget about that by the time we get to adults, adulthood, and we try to be something that we're not. And before too long, we end up creating the appearance of adulthood when, in fact, we feel like children and adolescents who are carrying on adult lives. So, so <clears throat> that's been the scope, kind of the arc of today. Um, I'll be curious to see what what kinds of things are talked about. I think people are wrestling with just how angry they are about where they've come from and, and the people in their lives. And a lot of that is not about blame. It's just being clear about where they're coming from. If I'm clear about what I'm coming from, then I know what I have either to forgive or to release or to accept. And I can't accept that which I never identify or name. I can't. And that's what, that's what a silent retreat does. It's not here to be therapeutic. It's here to grow us spiritually. And a lot of times people think that because I'm a psychologist, they go to this thing and it's, it, it's kind of an altered form of therapy in a religious context. And it's not that at all. I, I mean, we falsely create divisions between what is psychology and what is therapeutic and what is spiritual and a, a, a reality of God visiting our lives. And quite honestly, I think it's all the same thing. I wouldn't say it's the same thing, but it is all part of the, the, the reality of the world that we live in. We have falsely divided it up in such a way to make it convenient for us to understand it rather than to reflect the reality that it actually is. So here we sit, enjoying the... the the landscape of uh, the Front Range, and I, I will take a panoramic view, which I can see where I'm sitting right here is Long's Peak. If I turn around, I probably can see Pike's Peak. If I can see Long's Peak, 
So that takes me for, for almost 100 miles between um, Longmont and Loveland all the way down to Colorado Springs. And it's a remarkable thing to look at. It's inspiring, it's humbling, and it's an opportunity to sit in God's presence and marvel at the creation he gave us just to remind us of his love for us and also his delight in giving us an opportunity to find out about him even more. And that's that's really what a silent retreat is all about. So if you're wondering and you end up talking to somebody or you see somebody or you hear this thing called a silent retreat and it's like, what what the heck is it? What you'll notice is how much time it takes me to describe what a silent retreat is. I have a good friend of mine. He's actually the voice of the Daily Audio Bible. And he, he said to me after coming to three of these, he said, no one ever told me that silence is inhabited. Now, that may be really intimidating to think about. But at the same time, what's waiting for us is not a judgment or a condemning or a um, uh, wrathful God. It's a God that's waiting to love us as we are, not as we should be, but as we are. And that's, that's what's waiting for us in silence. And that's what I think oftentimes really does unnerve us. So here we are. This is the last, probably the last report from out here since it's the, the last day of the retreat. Um, and then tomorrow, uh, I may or may not do one from on location. I may do it from the, the safe confines of my my uh, office at home in the Northern Command Post or the Northern Outpost. And uh, um, so one or the other may be a part of the next out, um, podcast. So listen in, learn more, and perhaps learn and live through the people that are in the, on this particular retreat. And we invite you to enjoy to join us uh, at any point in time. As the need rises, then we will rise to that occasion to make it possible for more people to um, enjoy a silent retreat like this. Uh, right now, we have three retreats to one in the fall, which is what I'm on right now, and then one in the spring, and another one um, for us, because I live on a school schedule after, uh, after the uh, spring semester is over, graduation is all over, and that can be for alums from CCU, but it can also be from people who are really interested in finding God's heart in a little bit different way than maybe they have done in the past. And you're invited to do so. Um, on the flip side of that, if, if what I'm talking about and you're inspired to help the younger generation to be a part of this and discover this level of their spiritual understanding and their spiritual relationship with God, um, we would be ever so humbly thankful if you were to donate and to support this ministry that we're in. All donations are certainly tax deductible, and you can be part of that as well. If you want to send us a physical check, you certainly can do that at P.O. Box 322, Eastland, Colorado, uh, 80614. Uh, and of course, if it's is if it's sent to SGI, it will get to the right place. And you're certainly welcome to do that as well. We would be ever so thankful for your support. I have a a uh, herd of deer running past here. They are certainly remarkable creatures. 
um, in God's creation. So there are a variety of ways that you can give and support us. Certainly prayer support is always uh, desired as well. So thank you for your love and your support and listening into this podcast. And as always, love you. Later. Bye.